Hello, it is Major Steve Dre here and... Lieutenant Colonel David Seagraves, United States Marine Corps. Oorah. Kill. And we're here to talk United States versus personnel specialist, Chief Petty Officer Franz Bouget. A CAF opinion decided March 3rd, 2022, 82MJ157. Sir, let me just right off the bat. Personnel specialist, Chief Petty Officer, he's an E-what? He's an E-7, so that'd be a sergeant first class for you uh, soldiers. All right, thanks. We never know. Okay. Gunner, gunnery sergeant for us Marines. Okay, so so let's get into this case. What is this case about, sir? The case about the, is about the limits on the duty to report and evidence of child abuse exceptions to the psychotherapist privilege under MRE 513. Looking at the facts of the case, uh, here the, the appellant sexually abused his 12-year-old niece, who along with her family were staying at the appellant's house over the summer. Once school started, the niece reported the sexual abuse to her teacher and a guidance counselor. The guidance counselor referred the niece to a, a, a local therapist. Uh, the therapist reported the child abuse via the Florida Abuse Hotline Information System as was required by Florida law. Uh, once it happened, defense found out about it. They requested production of the psychotherapist's report to authorities. The government, in response, provided a confidential investigative summary uh, of the hotline report. After receiving the summary, defense and Child Protective Services had a chance to interview the niece. Now, the, the summary had included an allegation that the appellant had tried to penetrate his niece. However, the niece, in the subsequent interviews, had not mentioned any attempt to penetrate her. So defense cited this inconsistency in a motion to compel production of all records of communications between her and the psychotherapist, leading to a report of child sexual abuse, saying this inconsistency made it reasonably likely that these communications contained information the defense could use to impeach the niece. The trial judge ruled only the communication made by the psychotherapist to the hotline met the duty to report exception, and the government subsequently provided defense with the audio recording of the psychotherapist's report to the hotline. At trial, appellant was convicted of two specifications of sexual abuse of a child. Okay, so a lot going on there. So we've got a 12-year-old girl who reports something to a guidance counselor and a teacher. Teacher, guidance counselor, refer her to a local therapist. She goes and talks to the local therapist. Therapist receives some confidential communication that there's some child abuse. And she's got a duty. She's got a, there's a Florida law that says you must report certain. Evidence of child abuse. Evidence of child abuse. This is how you do it. This is what it needs to contain. She does it. And sounds like defense has a reasonably compelling case to say material and relevant to its case right because hey i need to cross-examine this person we interviewed this person she either left out or wasn't necessarily consistent with what we think was in what we think she told the therapist because the the report doesn't contain that so we want everything right we want to hear exactly what she said because hey that's impeachment give the, it to us but you know best part of defense's playbook is always the inconsistent statements you know, there, there's a reason with from this summary. They think there's, you know, in, in their subsequent interview, there's there's inconsistency. So they, they want access to those records so they can use it during trial. Yes. So what did the CAF hear in this case? What issue did they grant? So they issued, um, the issue they, they looked at was, did the lower court create an unreasonably broad scope of the psychotherapist privilege by affirming the military judge's denial of discovery? 
denying remand for an in-camera review, and denying appellate's claim of ineffective assistance of, uh, of counsel. Or, you know, more cleanly, what is the scope of the duty to report exception of the psychotherapist pri privilege? And was trial defense counsel ineffective due to not seeking the psychotherapist records under the evidence of child abuse exception? All right, sir. So would they say the scope of that duty to report exception of the psychotherapist privileges? Well, the court held that uh, MRE 513-D3 creates an exception to the privilege when a service regulation or state or federal law imposes a, a duty on the psychotherapist to report certain information derived from those communications, such as when a patient alleges child sex abuse. The court held that this duty to report exception makes discoverable the information that was required to be reported to state authorities. Okay, so that's an important point there, right? The state or law or regulation, whatever it requires, the sort of left and right limits of the statutory rule-based obligation to report to authorities, the only discoverable information as understood within 513 is whatever that state statute or whatever, whatever that statute or rule requires. Indeed, and, and an important distinction there is that it's the information required to be transmitted, uh, the, the allegation, if you will, not the actual communication. So, so not the exact text of what was told. Um, not all those confidential communications necessarily, no. right? It's not no. like it opens a massive uh, door, right? It's just, hey, it's the limits of that specific requirement of law. That's right. Okay, continue. Uh, they also held that the appellate's claim of ineffective assistance of counsel had no merit, even though defense did not seek the records under the evidence of child abuse exception. They, they said it, uh, the child abuse evidence of child abuse exception and the duty report exception were coterminous, or basically they covered the same ground. Because the law here required if there's evidence of child abuse, they have to turn it over. So they, they, they're getting at the same stuff, and um, under either exception, the defense would have received the same thing. Right. So coterminous here, perhaps not coterminous in every situation, though, right? Perhaps. Um, makes it pretty clear. Okay. So what, what, what do you think are the most important takeaways from this decision? Well, one, CAF uh, disagreed with NMCCA. They, they said that uh, the, there was the plain meaning of, the, of this exception was not clear. There was no plain meaning. It was somewhat ambiguous. I they, feel like we haven't seen that in, in too many cases, right? We, it seems like a lot of the rules and regulations that the CAF has been looking at, they find, well, the plain reading here is that this is pretty clear what the intent was. Here, an exception, though, right? They're saying, we're not really, we think that this is a little ambiguous. Correct. So what they say, it's clear when this, uh, this exception applies, not as clear as to, you know, how, how, how broad this exception is, you know, uh, how, how much of an exception, to what extent this extension serves. Right, because the language, the language not necessarily clear within 513, that, Certainly there is a, there's a duty to report exception, but we're not sure if the duty to report exception opens up the door to every single communication that happened that resulted in the duty to report or just whatever was in the four corners of the information required to report. That's exactly right. So defense, uh, you know, understandably made the argument that, you know, because it met this exception that all the records should be available. Uh, of course, the government said, and probably SVC, VLC, if you're, you're in the Marine Corps, said, no, narrowly tailored should just be what the psychotherapist had to tell 
the law enforcement officials or, or the hotline. Um, so what the court is uh, said is that you know, when, when things are ambiguous, again, we usually don't have that as, as often, but when they're ambiguous, uh, you have to look at the context of the rule. Uh, and so they looked at, you know, Emory 513E4, uh, which is your procedures after you have the in-camera review when, when a judge has decided to to look at psychotherapist and, and see if it a section, uh, they believe that exception applies. Well, once they decide that, they have to look at the evidence and they have to narrowly tailor what they provide to the parties. What they said is is accepted from this privilege. And so this this you know, the language of narrowly tailoring is what they kind of latched on to and saying, okay, we have to look at this as as closely or as narrowly as possible. Great. And then they address an interesting argument from the appellant here that the language within five thir- within a, a few sections of 513 indicates that, well, this isn't really protected information, right? That it's not protected because it's required to be disclosed under this duty to report statute. And so that sort of vitiates the privilege vitiates the protection and so because it is not privileged there can't be an exception right it's just it'd be meaningless to have an exception if it if, if the the, the it, what it was accepting was not privileged so if you look at right. it another way so the defense made the argument that communications from the patient to the psychotherapist privileged right. check got it uh from the psychotherapist to a third party, like a Florida abuse hotline, law enforcement, things like that. They said that that psychotherapist to law enforcement was never privileged. So since that's not privileged, it would make no no sense for you know to need an exception for that privilege. And so if if, if that communication from the psychotherapist to law enforcement or hotline, etc., if that wasn't privileged, then there'd be no reason for this exception. And you know that interpretation would mean. Uh, that whole section is meaningless. Now, the the court looked at this, and they, they kind of latched on to the definition of, of, of communication under 513b-4. So they said we're, you know, noting that communication is confidential if not intended to be disclosed to third persons other than those to whom disclosure is in furtherance of rendition of professional services to the patient or those reasonably necessary for such transmission of the communication. So they looked at that language and, and be that and a number actually a number of state um, opinions on this type of law and, and their their ruling was that even though it had to go to law enforcement or this abuse hotline because that information is still kept confidential that that remains privileged right we've got a really long footnote here with a whole bunch of other jurisdictions that essentially are say yeah it's not like this information we're not waiving the privilege here we're not vitiating the privilege just because this information goes to another agency or body right like just because it's going somewhere else because it still retains that confidentiality it's not like it's like okay i'm sending it to someone else and now it can go anywhere in the universe so it's going to a for a very limited purpose right this this type of law this duty to report law exists so you know very vulnerable people if there's just an inkling of something of some type of abuse is out there then we've got adults getting involved and taking care of it and so an important an important, I think, recognition, right, that this is, that this retains that confidentiality. Exactly. I think the the, the phrase I would, I would hang my hat on if you're making this argument uh, under 513b4 is in furtherance of the rendition of professional services. 
So you know, the Florida Abuse Hotline, the, the, the point of that is to get these uh, victims uh, plugged in to the system to get further aid, to, to take away um, the cause of, of these harms. And so you know, that's basically where the came, a court came out. They said, look at all these other states. They've all ruled the same way that the privilege remains. And also it makes sense with the, the language in the law of for, in furtherance of profe- professional services um, and that these things are still kept confidential. Yeah, I think two, there's sort of two sentences that are a little far apart in the opinion, but I think help explain this. So here we've got the reporting of required information by a psychotherapist to state authorities is not a volitional act on the part of the patient or even on the part of the patient's psychotherapist. Rather, it is an act compelled by the full force of state law, right? So I'm not waiting. I ha- this has to go. This isn't my choice to to remove the privilege here. I, I have to go because the state is telling me. And then second here, that a communication is confidential if it's not intended to be disclosed to a third person mm-hmm. other than those to whom disclosure is in furtherance of the rendition of professional services. And that's what you're saying is that, right, like it's going here for a very narrow select group of people or body of people for a very narrow select reason. And so it's not going to destroy the rest of the privilege. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so the second part you're talking about there is exactly what I was just talking about, like reading it within the context of the rule itself. And the first thing, talk about the, the volition, that you're exactly right. That cuts uh, against the first prong of MRE 510 waiver. Uh, and that it, waiver has to be voluntary. You're very right. All right, great, sir. So, what else? What else on this case? So basically, you know, what do we, what do we? What's our takeaway? What's the field need to know? Uh, so, I would look at, uh, you know, when you look at the duty to report and evidence of child abuse exceptions. Um, the, the, again, the court really narrowed that to just the information that the psychotherapist was required to give the Florida Abuse Hotline or, or law enforcement. In accordance with state law. Yes. So it, it, in, in the actual case at trial, they gave the full recording. That wasn't required. You know, looking at this CAF opinion, that summary that was provided at first, that would have been fine. And, and so if you want to do that, you can. I think the, you could reasonably hang your hat on that. Um, I think also going forward... Uh, you know, it, something to watch. Ahead. Sorry to interrupt, but something maybe to watch for though is the court does certainly acknowledge that the confidential nature of this information in Florida, and they've got right again this this massive footnote with all these jurisdictions that treat it confidentially. Perhaps just be cautious out there if this comes up. Make sure that the jurisdiction that compels disclosure of otherwise privileged information does sort of keep it close hold right i can't imagine there are i mean i don't i don't think this case references any jurisdictions that don't specify that it is it's a point it remains confidential but it's not i mean it appears that it could be a problem so pay attention to it look at the primary sort right look at the statute look at the rule that compels that disclosure just make sure that it's in your motion, you need to have something from some official affidavit statement, or put, you know, put them on the stand saying this stuff is not released to other people. You know, only people with the need to know and further furtherance of these services is necessary. I, I think it's also for practitioners out there. They have a good discussion at the very end. It's, it's not super long, um, but I think uh, if, if people try to make an, an argument against 513 on constitutional grounds, either under Sixth uh, Amendment confrontation 
or due process, complete defense. Uh, the court addresses both those. Don't need to get into it here, but uh, they, they handle both of them well. So if, if you're fighting that, they've given you some ammo there. Um, well, we can get into it for one second, right? I mean, this like, okay, Sixth Amendment, right to confront, right? Uh, a critical piece of justice, but it's not absolute. And you can't, uh, you know, an accused cannot say like, well, Sixth Amendment, Sixth Amendment, I need that information. It could have something that helps my case, right? We're talking impeachment here, critically important that I poke holes in this witness story. I need everything. But again, privileges, right? They are, they are policy-based decisions that we're protecting certain information from disclosure there's a balance right in, in the civilian and the military is interesting because in the civilian world you've got the balance between the accused or the defendant right and the patient accused wants all information that could help lead to an acquittal and the patient wants to keep their privacy interest preserved while still offering competent evidence in the military you've got a third consideration though right you sort of have the military mission and the commander's prerogative to make sure that that military mission is is not being impeded in some significant way and sometimes that requires access to this information and the CAF actually they've got a good paragraph here talking about that and recognizing uh, the importance of the military's upholding maintaining the integrity of its operations right so that's this sort of like third consideration with the privilege and that's a long winded dialogue about it but you've got to keep this in the back of your head right it's not these things aren't ab- there's no absolutes here oh I mean, it's not a commander's prerogative it, it it's their mandate you know they, they must meet you know mission uh and, and so they have a, a very strong interest here as well which is interesting uh but but you're right i mean again going back to the 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 confrontation uh, the issue the the complete defense uh you know they they reference pennsylvania v ritchie you know your right to confront isn't the right to confront with all the information in the world essentially that's that's a little bit yeah you know slimmed down uh but then the, under the complete defense they went with holmes v south carolina which again they also referenced jaffe that the psychotherapist patient privilege promotes sufficiently important interests to outweigh the need for probative ev- evidence as we talk about when we talk about privileges all the time is we've made the call that as long as it's not arbitrarily or disproportionately you know used these privileges are it, it promotes a social good right. that we've decided outweighs having all possible evidence out there um and if i could i just i know we're getting a little bit long here um so another thing to think about uh is an issue that has not come up uh in, in the appellate courts yet uh, is the question of you know waiver uh and whether there should be you know exceptions involving you know the uh, integrated disability disability evaluation system or medical boards, IDES, pardon me, or, or, or being med boarded out. Um, so a scenario might be there if, if a, a victim very, very shortly after a sexual assault, you know, develops depression, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, something like that, that would be so severe as to possibly warrant uh, leaving the service. Um, you know, whether they're giving over psychotherapist records to these med boards or IDES, uh, so they can get further services as they get out. You know, the the question is out there whether yeah. that would waive uh, the privilege. Right, uh, they're giving it to a, uh, and this is this sort of goes to what we were talking about related to the the third party 
keeping things confidential, I think that probably becomes a tougher argument for a victim to say, well, that's confidential. I, yeah, I sent it. Now all, all sorts of agencies and bodies have it because they're trying to figure out my disability rating or what kind of treatment I'm entitled to as a result of some service-connected problem. But yeah, you gave it you gave it away to somebody else. You gave it away to a third party. You destroyed your privilege or well, that's definitely waved it. That's definitely the argument defense would make. Uh, right. and, and now with, with this case, um, the argument that uh, a trial counsel or, or an SVC VLC would, would, would make was, well, this was a, you know, uh, a necessary uh, communication. We had to give that person in furtherance of additional services. Yeah, so to me, necessary is not the same as compelled, right? I mean, that's, and that's, but that's the argument. That would probably be the rub. Hey, you chose to give it over. You didn't have to. Now that, that, that's arguable, right? Like I want medical treatment. I need medical treatment. So sort of was compelled there, but it's not like there's a, I'd say there's not a similar statute or certainly like the law or regulation applicable to the disclosure of medical records to get, you know, uh, I'm quoting, but medical benefits as a result of service or financial benefits as a result of some kind of service-connected injury, uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's not as compelled, you know, as something like this stat, this Florida statute here that says, no, you will report any sort of allegation of abuse if you're a therapist. Sorry. No, I, I think and I think this is a big fight to be had, uh, and it's an area of law that will develop. Uh, and that's something where, you know, an SVC or VLC, uh, if, if it's ruled against them, could, could easily make that rid of mandamus uh, to, to fight this. I think we might see this in the upcoming years. And I'm just trying to highlight for the field that if that situation happens, you should look at this case. Uh, yeah. And there's a good jumping off point uh, to try to make your arguments. Interesting. Any last thoughts? Or, or is that it for United States versus Bouget? That's all I got for you, Steve. Hoorah. Kill.